Balance your trading strategy by adding futures. CME Group helps you manage risk and capture opportunities in all market environments. Capitalize on around-the-clock access to highly liquid global futures and options market across all major asset classes. Just visit your online broker and get started. Plug into valuable educational materials and trading tools and see what adding futures can do for you at cmegroup.com slash on the tape. iConnections is the world's largest capital introduction platform in the alternative investment industry. iConnections membership only platform brings together the asset management community, providing allocators and managers with the opportunity to connect both physically and virtually. With an impressive network of over 4,000 allocators and 900 managers, their community oversees an astounding $48 trillion and $16 trillion in assets, respectively. iConnections is also the driving force behind the alternative investment industry's most renowned in-person events. We invite you to join iConnections at their upcoming event, Salt iConnections in New York, taking place on May 20th through the 21st at the Glass House in New York City. This two-day event is packed with one-on-one cap intro meetings and content. To explore more about iConnections events and gain access to their members-only platform, visit iConnections.io. Hit your money goals without switching platforms. Download SoFi's all-in-one super app for industry-leading APY. Great loan rates and stock trading. SoFi, get your money right. Banking products and loans offered by SoFi Bank, NANMLS 696891. Brokerage and active investing products offered through SoFi Securities, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. All right, welcome to the Monday edition of On the Tape on Tuesday, May 3rd. Madness. Madness. It is madness, guy. You weren't even prepared for this stuff. That's Guy Adami. We're here with EY from SoFi. That would be Liz Young. She is the head strategist over at SoFi. Welcome, people. I hope you guys had a great Memorial Day weekend. Good morning. I don't see Elizabeth, unfortunately, Dan. No, you don't. But, Guy, I, we did that thing. Where I go to a Yankee game, uh-huh. I'm out there getting one of those 24 ounce Bud Lights for sixteen dollars, right. and all of a sudden I feel someone kind of do something to my ear, kind of like squeak my ear. It is Linda Snow. That is the better half of the guy Adami management team over there. You don't even <laughs> you don't call, you don't write, you head to the Bronx. At least this year, and it was almost a year ago uh that to the day where this happened to us last time, but you weren't all like you didn't have your sport jacket well, no, on. No, it's a weekend. Shirt. So a weekend oh. game is a little bit different. It was it was a Sunday game uh in the Bronx. So on a Sunday you can dress down a little bit, but a weekday game which I believe the last time we saw each other, if I'm not mistaken, but who maybe, knows what maybe. the point is? Yes, we were both at the Yankee game. I didn't realize you were there. Yeah. Uh, my wife, Linda Snow, said, you'll never guess who I just saw. I, I, I said, it's got to be Dan. And I, yeah. true, I was well, correct. Well, there I was. Uh, I was there with the judge. Uh, he is the host. Wait, of, uh, oh, Scott. 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 Yes. The judge of the IC. So, Liz, you were missed, but you're out in parts unknown. I think it's I think it's sandy out there. I think it's windy. I think the, the salt air is is probably doing you right. So I hope you had a great weekend out there. Yeah, 
This is all true. It is sandy. It is windy. Uh, <laughs> I'm practicing the unwashed hair thing for days at a time. So the, a podcast is much luckier. By the way, I, my my cat is out here with me. Stop And it. she she Great. wants to be on the pod today. She's all over my desk. So if I if you hear strange noises or if I disappear for a minute, it's because I'm handling the feline. You, know, you will be on video on Thursday. So we expect you to be <laughs> like, you know. I'll be in the city on Thursday. Okay, fair enough. All right. All right. Let's yeah. do this thing, guys. A lot going on here over the weekend. You know, President Biden, Speaker McCarthy, they inked a deal to raise the debt ceiling. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the market's reaction. The S&P 500 is above 4,200, the elusive 4,200 level, which has had a hard time getting above and staying above since February 2nd. We know that that August high, that 4,335 is probably the next level. We want to talk about just the market's reaction across the board. And, you know, yields aren't doing a whole heck of a lot. Crude oil's down. Maybe we could kind of come up with some reasons um, for that. There's a lot of stuff going on with China. And there are a few different earnings this week that I think are interesting. We have Salesforce, which might give us a sense for how excited and how many times that Mark Benioff might use the term AI. That's Wednesday after the close. We also have Lulu Guy, which had that huge gap after its earnings in February. And it spent the last basically month filling that in, I think, in sympathy with Nike. And then we also have Broadcom Thursday after the close. So again, it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, that stock has really traded a very different multiple than an NVIDIA, which just touched the trillion dollar mark. It's up an astounding five and a half percent as we speak. And then we have some economic data. We have ISM on Thursday and we have the all important May jobs report on Friday. Guy, jump ball here. What do you want to get into? Let's talk about this debt deal and let's talk about the market reaction. I think we were all in agreement. There wasn't a whole heck of a lot priced into the stock market for a deal. And and again, I mean, no one seemed particularly worried, especially with a VIX that had been trading, you know, 16, 17 for the last few weeks. It's interesting. So I think your point is well made. The fact that I don't think the market was pricing in anything in terms of the debt deal. I think Elizabeth would agree. I mean, as we're sitting here right now, muted reactions at best. Now, the reactions that you're seeing or in the stocks we talk about all the time, but they have nothing to do with the debt ceiling or the debt deal. And in terms of the broader market, you're looking at an S&P that probably rallied Friday on the hope that something get done over the weekend. But today in the aftermath of that deal being announced, you have an S&P that's effectively, as we're sitting here right now, you know, up seven or eight handles. So listen, the market's been on an incredible ride. I think it's important that you point out that August high of last year, which was, I believe, 43.35 or so. So we still have some room to go if we were to get there. But I think the market was always saying it's going to be a lot of noise, but we know at the end of the day, something's going to get done. So we're going to look past this entirely. And I think that's what's happened. Yeah, I would agree. I I mean, the level aside of, of where we were last year, I think there's room here in the market. And this isn't me being bullish necessarily, but I think there's room on the upside and it's imminent, and and I'll tell you why. So if you look at just what's happened in rate expectations over the last week or so, I mean, we went from less than 20% chance of a hike in June to now almost 70% chance of a hike in June. We've also almost entirely priced out cuts this year. If that can happen in the rates market and the equity market doesn't correct on it and doesn't have a big pullback, I think there's still room. There's obviously support and there's obviously appetite, particularly for tech stocks, particularly for a handful of tech stocks. I'm sure we're going to get into the new joiner of the Trillion Dollar Club today, but there's obviously buyers out there. The other thing is if you just look at the lineup of economic data that we're going to get this week, if things come in 
close to expectations, nothing's going to surprise us to the downside. There's not really going to be bad news on an economic level this week if expectations are correct. And as we started recording this, we got consumer confidence numbers, those surprised to the upside. So as long as the economic data stays decently strong or solid for another couple weeks, maybe even another month, there's room in the equity market. Again, it depends which equity market you're talking about because the Russell 2000 small caps, they're basically down on the day. We're recording this, you know, right right after 10 a.m. Eastern time here. They opened up a little bit, so they don't act particularly well. You know, banks um, out of the gate, large cap banks are down a little bit as measured by the XLF. We have the KRE, the regional bank index. For some reason, PacWest and Comerica are down 5% um, percent each. So keep, keep an eye um, on those. You, we just mentioned oil down three and a half percent, OIH down two and a quarter, XLE down one and a half percent, industrials, CAT, the deer down one and two percent respectively. So there's a lot of weakness here. I mean, there's also Proctor's down one and a half percent. We've been talking about how, you know, consumer staples have been really weak. Retailers acting particularly horrible. Macy's made a new 52-week low last week, guy. They have earnings this week. So there are parts of large swaths of the stock market that just don't trade well. You have rates, which I would have thought that you would have seen the 10-year down today a bit more than it is. And when I look at that, and, and again, Liz, what you said about rate hike expectations, fine, that makes some sense here. Um, but we have the two-year down, you know, four basis points, the 10-year down um, seven. And, and I would have thought that, again, that would have been something that should have been calming to the yield market. And we have the, the equal eight S&P, which just went down in the day. So guy, when you think about what's going on in the stock market, how do we get to 4335? Because this week is likely going to have, it's not going to be a layup. I, I would be shocked if the Republicans vote this deal in right out of the gate. Remember when Speaker McCarthy then um, running for speaker was trying what how many times 11 or 12 times or so just to get there's a small faction here that are not going to vote for this deal which means they're going to have to get more democrats right so it's going to be listen i'm all for this man i mean i think all of us on this pod right now are happy that it went this way we're also happy it didn't take major palpitations in the markets to really scare the bejesus out of people you know what i mean and and do some dumb things in the markets so i, I would love to see this thing get done and then let's have the stock market vote on the merits of kind of the economy that we see in front of us. But there are large parts of the stock market, other than the AI influence names, that are not acting particularly well right now, Guy. Well, it's interesting. I think Janet Yellen, I think it was on Friday. And I think, by the way, one of the reasons the market rallied the way it did on Friday, I believe, is because Janet Yellen pushed that drop dead date. And I hate using the term, uh, but from June 1st, which was the original date that she had put out there until June 5th. Now, the reason why I think June 5th is interesting because it gets you over a weekend again. So I think, again, your point is well taken that you're probably going to see and hear some noise over the next couple of days um, and people will saber rattle and those types of things. And I think factions from both sides will have something to be exercised about and maybe the market reacts to that. But again, something will finally get done. But to your point about some of these stocks not trading particularly well, you look at Target, again, I think an important company. Um, we're trading at really big support levels. Now, if you go back and look, this 136, 137 level in Target has been support since this time last year. Um, if we were to break down through here, and by the way, Target made a new 52-week low earlier today, 
I think things get a little dicey there. So below the surface, there are obviously names that are concerning. But to answer your question, you know, what gets us to those August highs at 43.35 highs? I think it's just continued money flows into these big cap stocks that seem to drive everything. But you know, we can talk about NVIDIA if you want, which, as Liz said, made the trillion-dollar club. Even if you give them $40 billion in revenue uh, next year, which is probably a bit of a stretch, you can do that math. I mean, you're talking about a company that's still trading 25 times revenues, and that's with giving them $40 billion, which might be a bit of a reach, despite the fact that they guided from $7.5 billion to $11 billion for the quarter uh, last earnings release. Yeah, Liz, I'd love to get your take on this because, again, you know, uh, the last stock to get over a trillion dollars, I think it was Tesla in late 2021. It was an absolute frenzy. And, you know, it was a whole host of things going on there. It was a very different market in a way. And when you think about where interest rates were, it's truly astounding the way investors are willing to pay up for these sorts of stocks right now at a time where they're not willing to pay up for most other things. And we just went through uh, a bunch of the different sectors that are trading very poorly and also trading very cheap. And so to me, you know, when you have a Fed funds, it's about to literally go to five and a quarter percent and the Fed not backing down by any means. I mean, people were hoping for a pause or a skip or a, a no landing or, a, you know, you, to the point that you just made rate cuts by the end of the year. What I get increasingly worried about when I look at NVIDIA gap up 6% today, I look at Tesla on the back of some very bad news. Um, there was a, this data leak in Germany and we'll put the, the story in the show notes and, and, and basically the, the way that the company was dealing with data about their full self-driving and autonomous, um, uh, you know, to me, the the fact that that stock is at $200 and up 3.5% for no worries here, it makes me very, very nervous that when we talk about things breaking, okay, when you have stocks gap up like this that are driving so much of the sentiment in the market and they're now at very large like levels or so, they have this crazy weight in the broad markets. You know, look at an Apple, look at an Amazon, look at a Google, look at a Microsoft, the way they've rallied all in the same things. I also think what Elon had to say about their ability to have a moment he said this to david faber in his cnbc interview he said it at the um at their investor day an ai moment not too dissimilar to what's going on in some of these other stocks it really makes the margin for error very dangerous and if you are buying nvidia right here at 410 dollars, okay then you are literally setting yourself for up for some sort of you know, I think calamity. I really do believe that guy. And, and you know, so to, so I'd love to get your sense, Liz, about what you feel about that, because we've been talking about the nature of the rally for a very long time. It just got a lot more dangerous. Yeah, look, momentum is a very powerful thing, and it is a powerful thing to sentiment. I think that's what we've witnessed in a lot of these big tech names. So a, a couple things I believe are at play here. I don't think there's a ton of other stuff in the market that you can get excited to buy. And to your points before, a lot of the cyclical stuff isn't acting well. And you can even throw consumer discretionary into that cyclical category not acting well, right? So we don't really have the consumer necessarily to hang our hat on. We don't have strengthening or incredibly strong economic data to hang our hat on. We don't have, you know, amazing resolution in Washington to hang our hat on. Inflation is coming down, but the Fed is still on its hiking path. There's not a lot in the environment that tells you I can get excited about the other 10 sectors. And I think what's happening is that people have 
jumped on that momentum train and you look at what's happened, and I know we've talked about the equal weight S&P a few times, look at what's happened in the equal weight S&P. This is a market that, and I'm not denying the rally, I, the rally is amazing. Uh, and I, like I said before, I think it has room to keep going based on these tech names. But when you have an equal weight S&P with a spread of almost 10% now, I think, compared to the market weight S&P, that's a pretty weak market. That is a market held up on, I don't know if you guys ever had to do science projects in school with balsa wood. Do you remember me? balsa wood? I had to build structures with balsa wood. It was like this really skinny, weak wood stuff and you had to make weight bearing structure. I don't know what kind of exercise it was in some sort of architectural, I, whatever it was. I wasn't good at it, but either way, the market is held up by balsa wood right now. And that balsa wood is the big five tech names. And it's actually, if you look closely enough, the equity market is starting to send signals that are more consistent with what the bond market has been saying. If you take tech out of it, the equity market is saying, hey, rough waters ahead, spending probably coming down, economic data probably getting weaker and weaker. It's just that this tech stuff completely overshadows all of it. It's interesting, Dan. Um I remember balsa wood back in the day used to make like model planes out of it. And I remember going to, I think it was Sears or something back. Sears was big when I was a kid, as you probably know. And I tried to buy a tube of testers glue because um, I was going to make my model and they wouldn't let me buy the glue. And I said to my mother, who was in the store as well, looking at probably pots and pans, I'm like, Mom, they wouldn't let me buy. I had no idea why. As it turns out, they wouldn't sell testers glue to kids back then because kids were, as you know, sniffing glue. And I say that because that's exactly what I know. I know. Dan was the kid. Dan was the going, distributor. That's what's glue. going on right here with some of these names. I think people are, in fact, well, sniffing the aforementioned glue. It's funny. You know, I saw, and good for NVIDIA, but listen. It's an extraordinary company. We've never um, underestimated the importance of the company. I'm I'm shocked where the stock is. Is again, we pointed out some of the metrics, but they even announced a secondary. I think on Friday, Danny would a call shelf. that. Yeah, no, they announced a, a shelf. shelf. Yeah, yeah, they would yeah. call that a dirty. What would Danny call that? A Friday, Friday night dirty. Well, yeah, but but nobody yeah. nobody seems nobody to can. care. And good well, for them, I mean, by the way. Listen, if they were to sell ten billion dollars worth of stock, it'd probably get gobbled up. Gobbled up. Then a few percent of where the where the stock is trading. I'll just say this is you know uh, this environment reminds me of the great show The Wire that was on HBO for, for years, six ma magnificent seasons there was a character named cuddy and he was a real ruthless uh you know gangster and he went he went into the clink and and when he came out you know they gave him a job and and they really wanted him to be you know like a you know a tough guy enforcer that sort of thing and i remember there's a scene where he's being sent out to do some stuff he's just kind of losing the will you know needing to do it and he's like he says something to the guy who's sending him out to yeah, I don't rough somebody up or kill somebody or something like that and he's like uh the game's changed and, he's, and the guy who's like the guy giving out the orders he says no the game's not changed it's just got a lot more fierce and that's what i feel like has happened right here the game is the same but when you're thinking about these trillion dollar stocks skipping up a hundred billion dollars in market cap at a time you know it has the potential to go the other way too and when you look at again a market that's built as liz just said i think very aptly on balsa wood it, it just really sets up for a really nasty spell With CME Group's micro-sized futures and options, you can access the same transparency and liquidity of the benchmark contracts with less upfront financial commitment. Diversify your portfolio and manage your exposure with the flexibility of CME Group micro-contracts in crypto, metals, FX, energy, 
and equity indices. Learn more about what adding futures can do for you at cmegroup.com slash micros. iConnections is the world's largest capital introduction platform in the alternative investment industry. iConnections membership only platform brings together the asset management community, providing allocators and managers with the opportunity to connect both physically and virtually. With an impressive network of over 4,000 allocators and 900 managers, their community oversees an astounding $48 trillion and $16 trillion in assets, respectively. iConnections is also the driving force behind the alternative investment industry's most renowned in-person events. We invite you to join iConnections at their upcoming event, Salt Eye Connections in New York, taking place on May 20th through the 21st at the Glass House in New York City. This two-day event is packed with one-on-one cap intro meetings and content. To explore more about iConnections events and gain access to their members-only platform, visit iConnections.io. So here's one, and I referenced this when we started out, and this was an article, you know, I think it was on the A1 of the journal today, China's fading recovery reveals deeper economic struggles, ballooning debt, tepid consumption, and worsening relations with the West to weigh on growth. And I think it's interesting that, you know, like I mentioned the JP Morgan, the Morgan Stanley conferences there in in, uh, in China this week, those are the first since COVID, and we can all agree that the rhetoric has gotten dialed up considerably over the last three years, not getting any but uh any better we know how important we've talked about how important china is both from a manufacturing standpoint but also a consumer demand standpoint for a company like tesla and obviously access to rare earth materials and the like here uh, you know, Elon is going over there to uh, Beijing. He is that um, free speech maximalist. Remember that? So he's going to go crazy up to the the Chinese Communist Party, probably the most totalitarian, totalitarian regime um, on the planet at the moment. And then Jensen Wang's over there. And I got to tell you, I'm sure the Chinese don't love to see the trillion dollar guy right in Taiwan saying that this is the place. So, guy, talk to me a little bit about this. Is this why we're seeing energy weakness? You know, like just fears of a weakening China. We know that we talked about some of the closures, the abrupt closures to public events, you know, if China were to basically, I don't know, go back in and do some lockdowns and this or whatever, it could be a disaster for global growth right now. Yeah, I think that's right. And you think it, it manifests itself. Crude oil, yes, but more the base metals that we talk about from time to time, lumber prices, um, shipping costs, different types of things. And you're seeing pressure there without question. To your point about some of these multinationals that have huge Chinese exposure, I mean, Take a look, for example, at Starbucks, which, by the way, the all-time high in Starbucks was this time, well, June of last year. Excuse me, my bad. June of 2021, just for perspective. So that's two years ago. I think the stock was north of 126. I mentioned Starbucks because we've dropped precipitously from that early May high. Here we are at this sort of $98 level, which has been support a number of times over the last year, year and a half pretty critical level, win below $100 for the first time. So to your point, you're seeing some of the effects, I think, in individual stocks. But for whatever reason, at least in the equity markets, the broader market doesn't seem to care. But there are all these things that we don't care about. I guess the question is, what's going to be the catalyst for us to care? And as I said last week on the On The Tape podcast, which, by the way, drops on Fridays, you can find that, Dan, at what? Your favorite podcast store your favorite podcast store. You know, at some point math makes math is going to matter and with each passing day I think we're getting a little bit closer. 
Speaking of on the tape podcast, I got a really great water bottle that says on the tape on it that Stop I carted it. around all weekend. You, you, bought, one, you bought one where you are? That's fantastic. I didn't like buy your one. Favorite no, I don't. Retailer? I, I, take, I take free swag. All, all, anyway. Everybody uh, on this, uh, everyone on the squad got something here, guy. You know, she got no yeah. computer one and on the tape one. We're working on some market calls, swag. You know, come on. We got it going on. Like that. Oh, I could use some new sweatpants. Can we? Can I put an order in? Wait, do you want runner? Can we get <laughs> something for your cat too? I mean, <laughs> yeah, the cat. Uh, all right. So let China. Here's the thing. There's there's a couple things about China. When China reopened, there was all of this enthusiasm that China was going to be the thing that saved us, right? That as the U.S. consumer was getting weak and as the U.S. was slowing down and the Fed was hiking rates, it was all going to be okay because China was going to reopen and the consumer was going to spend and they were going to travel and they were going to save the day. And I think what we're finding out right now is that that enthusiasm was also built on balsa wood. And you've got a Chinese consumer that is not spending as much money, that is not traveling. And if there is a, a risk of shutdown, it's almost as if we need to assume that some of this consumption strength, we have to do it without China. And one of the interesting things, if you look at what happened in some of the luxury names, the European luxury names last week, there was weakness in the European luxury names. There, Before that, there had been a ton of strength because there were still people in the upper echelon of spending, the upper echelon of income, buying those luxury goods. And look, I love a luxury handbag as much as anybody else, but people have pulled back on that. And China, historically, had been a really big part of that spending, a really big part of revenue for those companies. So if the expectation is that the Chinese consumer is not going to be buying that, and the U.S. consumer is actually pulling back on that too, some of the strength that you've seen out of those European names is dissipating. And it's something that it, it's a ripple that that will span the globe, right? And not necessarily something that's going to throw us into a recession or something that's going to make big headlines. Oh my gosh, people stopped buying Chanel handbags. It's not nothing like that. But it is an indication that the global consumer is weaker or at least more cautious than I think many people expected. May I ask Elizabeth a question quickly, Dan? I know we're up against it here. It, in terms it, is, of the it is your podcast. <clears throat> um, you have your cat has a name, right? When Bitty. when you summon your cat, you call her, him or her by a name. Is that correct? Uh, yes, her name is Biddy, B I T T Y. Uh huh. Right. Um, you are one of these people that probably is a kid named your car, which by is an inanimate <laughs> object, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? <laughs> I don't know that I agree that it's an inanimate object. I think that cars have souls, and yes, I did name her. Her name is Betty. <laughs> yeah. Now here's my final question. Uh, handbags do your bags have names please no, tell me the answers no no. no no i have not i have never named a handbag but, <laughs> no. but you're definitely on that trajectory back to you dan yeah that's All next right. fair enough all right let's let's do this before we get out of here guy um real quickly um lulu important to you you know nike yes. has been selling off with Foot Locker and and some of this other stuff and again i think this speaks a little bit to um, you know, to Liz made a great point that if, you know, we're going to get out of this thing, okay, meaning like the potential for a recession without something that's kind of long and, and, and deep and all that sort of stuff, it's going to take the U.S. consumer because we really can't rely right now on the Chinese consumer. Lulu is primarily a North American focused company. Nike has broader issues as it relates to, you know, globally and, and, and issues of the dollar and the like here. Um, so Lulu, Lulu could be really interesting on Thursday. I'm just curious, like what that might tell you about a consumer that that might be weakening at this point 
Not cheap. Um, if you look at a chart, I mean, again, this is a stock, by the way, if you want to go back and look, this, this stock made its all-time high north of, I think, $480 back in November of 2021. By the way, in a period where nobody cared about valuations. Now valuations matter. Not a cheap stock. Stock traded up to about 385 or so in December of 2022 and then failed uh, dramatically, traded back to, I think, about 275, 280. We round-tripped it, Dan, as you probably know, which is the reason you bring it up. In early May, we traded right back to 385, and now here we are selling off. It's going to come down to inventories. It's going to come down to margins, and it's going to come down to whether or not people are willing to pay a premium multiple for what is a great company, but an environment where people seem to be fleeing um, high multiple sort of non non ridiculous growth companies for some of these tech names. So I think Lululemon could be the victim of what we're seeing with some of these high valuation, high growth tech names. Great point about that gap. And if you look at the Nike chart, also people, there was a huge gap in mid to late December when they reported um, the stock went from, I think like 103 up to nearly 119 in you know, one fell swoop. And then it kind of raged higher. It got as high as 130 by early February. And here we are now at 107. So it's filling a lot of that gap. We have Carter Braxton worth we're charting on the pod quite frequently on market call. And I mean, gaps are meant to be filled. And that's why one of those things that NVIDIA gap is one that I'm telling you people, this is one for the ages that 350 level is going to be one that I think lots of traders are going to be shooting against. So I would just be really careful of all these kind of billionaire hedge fund folks with their 13F filings from Q1, you know, talking about how they're all in on the AI. I suspect they're selling into this run after the gap. And that gap at some point, I suspect in 2023 is going to be filled. Here's one thing. And maybe Liz, you want to think about this while I'm giving out my one way I think you could make money this week by the time we reconvene on Thursday for market call. And then obviously again, guy for on the tape. I, I think the TLT looks really interesting to me. This is the ETF that tracks the 20-year treasury. And I think that if we do have a debt ceiling deal that gets voted through the House and signed by the president, I think some of the upward pressure on the 10 yield should abate. Then if we start getting into some of the issues about the economy slowing, I think you could see a flight to quality in basically U.S. treasuries. And if that Does that make sense to you? And then if you want to express that view, then you would buy the TLT. The TLT in the last week of December just got below 100. Then in the throes of the kind of regional banking issues, it got below 100 briefly for a day in early March. And then it's basically gone all the way from, I don't know, 108, 109 back to 100 bounce. And here we are at 101 and a half. And the TLT looks like that's really good support. I would probably just set a stop at like 99 or 98 or something like that to buy it here. But that's one that I think you probably want to buy for the balance of this year, especially if we're going to go from an extended stock market based on very narrow leadership into a weakening economy that probably has the S&P come back. And I just want to remind people that the S&P is up 10% on the year. The Russell is basically flat on the year. The NASDAQ 100 is up 31.5% on the year. We know six stocks make up 50% of the weight. And then the NASDAQ composite is up about 24.5%. So thoughts on that, guys, because there seems to be a lot of froth in the equity market that is not reflective in other parts of the broader markets that we look at, whether it be currencies, whether it be yields, right, whether it be commodities. Yeah, I mean, you asked how to make money this week. I've got a couple a couple really short-term things here in the sense of 
I think you ride this up wave in the NASDAQ just a little bit longer, let things kind of continue with the debt ceiling talks. There's a chance that the vote doesn't happen until Sunday night if Monday is in fact the deadline, which probably means that if things go positively this week, meaning mostly today and tomorrow, that you see a little bit more upside in that NASDAQ trade. So don't fight it, ride it for a few more days. The other thing is if and when the debt ceiling gets extended and raised, I think there is a possibility, despite what we just talked about with cyclicals, the consumer, China, all of these things, I think there's a possibility for a short-term jump in oil and in some of the energy stocks because there is the expectation that then we can start refilling the SPR. There may be some buying pressure in there. We're sort of in that range that the Biden administration said they would buy it in. So there could be a short-term jump in oil and energy. Uh, and Dan, I'm with you on the TLT thing, or at least treasuries in general. I just don't think that we're going to see a ton of fear about recession this week. The Saudis, OPEC, talked about giving people, and I'm paraphrasing here entirely, but giving shorts in the market, in the crude oil market, the ouchies. So you have an OPEC meeting coming up, so we better start refilling that SPR at some point. Otherwise, that could get away from us. That's something to watch. And in terms of yields, it's it's the volatility is still there without question. You know, we talk about seven, eight basis points move like they're nothing. They're still somewhat significant. So I still think the bond market is trying to figure out where things should go. And to me, Dan, this is an environment where rates going lower, although perceived to be a important thing, a good thing, a positive thing for the market, is anything but. Yeah. Well, listen, I'll just say this. And I think what you're saying, Liz, with the, the the NASDAQ is don't fight it if you're long. Don't think about, you know, kind of getting out. I wouldn't touch it with my worst enemy's money right now. I I, I really do. I don't like to use the C word that it, it goes C-R-A-S-H. Um, I do think that what's gone on here in a small group of names really like heightens the, the potential for some really nasty correction if something happens that none of us are expecting. And it's going to be driven by a handful of names. And if everyone heads for the doors at the same time, they have big winners, you know, think about that. And, and so to me, that makes me um, a, a bit nervous. All right, people. Well, we hope you enjoyed our Monday edition of On the Tape on Tuesday. That was Liz Young, EY from SoFi. Guy Adami uh, also here. We're going to be back with Market Call this week, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern. Liz will be joining us. That's on our Risk Versal Media YouTube channel. So check it out. Follow us. Smash the like button. Leave any sort of comment you want. I mean, like, you know, generally, I think be nice and be nice to your fellow uh, YouTubers there. And we will be back with our Friday edition of On the Tape on Friday with Danny Moses. So thanks for joining us on this Tuesday. Thanks again to our presenting sponsors, CME Group, iConnections, FactSet, and SoFi. If you like what you heard, make sure you hit follow and leave us a review. It helps other people find the show, and we also want to hear from you. Email us at contact at riskreversal.com. Derivatives are not suitable for all investors and involve the risk of losing more than the amount originally deposited and any profit you might have made. This communication is not a recommendation or offer to buy, sell, or retain any specific investment or service.